welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I am your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. Alright guys, tonight is part one of a two-part little mini-series on the Mr. H.H. Holmes Herman Webster Mudget, who literally... Has to have two episodes because there's just so much shit. There's a lot. There's a lot of shit. So, um, <laughs> hold on. This is going to be two um, hours of us just being like, there's a lot of shit. A lot. A lot. Of, a lot. of shit. Of shit. For two hours. No. A lot. Um, <laughs> not literally. Um, no, literally. <laughs> a lot of shit. Okay, I'm done. Oh, we all saw our shit. <laughs> So, you were like, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> she literally had this look of like, oh, <laughs> I was more like, shit. Okay. <laughs> Becky can't handle the shit. I forgot where I was at. There's I was like, what shit. happened? Where was I? What's going on? Um, All the shit. So there's a, a lot of people feel like there's not a lot to unwrap with his early life, but we were able to go pretty deep. Um, there's a really great documentary that came out in 2008 on Amazon Prime that I'll reference a bit in my notes, um, about H.H. Holmes. It's literally the first one that pops up when you type in H.H. Holmes. Um, and then of course we'll have Wikipedia that, uh, seems to be the best source, uh, as far as, um, pretty extensive into his early life and, uh, upbringing. Cause it seems like if you go and look at other... Uh, articles about him wikipedia already has it like wikipedia is pretty much just like let's just combine all this shit and put it into one spot which is great and we thank wikipedia so much for that because there's so much shit (laughs) i would probably say the best source ever which is a book i'm certainly going to read at some point Um, It was written by Eric Lawson in 2003, Larson, I'm sorry, in 2003, and it's titled The Devil in the White City, Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair that Changed America. And it's literally a best-selling nonfiction book about Holmes' story uh, staging behind the World's Fair in Chicago, where the majority of the murders took place in his quote-unquote murder castle. Um, but Wikipedia, like Casper stated, pretty much covers just about everything and every other article that, that we could find, um, especially when it goes into his, uh, early life, um, which a lot of people didn't seem to, I listened to a couple of podcasts too, and they didn't seem to go pretty in depth about his childhood. Even some things, I think they're on one podcast, they kind of got a mix up of, how many uh, siblings he had. So um, also another thing too, like it seems like a lot of stuff goes more into his later life. Once the murder castle happens and then so on after his trial and death. Um, And a lot of that is wrapped in mystery because he did write a firsthand account when he was incarcerated of his life, but he was a known pathological liar. There was so much, I mean, he was a bigamist. He had aliases. 
He, he was probably was one of the best con oil. bands of all Yeah, time. he was a total... Con mans? Con men? Con men. Con men. You got con it. He, con mans. Snake, snake oil salesman. He totally was a snake oil salesman. I mean, he was able to trick a lot of people into believing a lot of bullshit. And, and it was kind of like we were discussing, though, at that time... It was so easy to pull off that. Yeah, we were literally just talking about this. So in the late 1800s in America and even in in, um, England over in the UK, there was just so much going on during that time, Um, you know, not long after the plague and just America is going through a complete industrial revolution. And there's just so much going on in both countries at that time that... um, And also, there was no, like, it was so easy. Travel had gotten more extensive by by boat and uh, by train. And people were just able to con people left and right because people wanted to just basically believe anything. And you could just pretty much get away with it. It was so much easier to get away with literally anything because you could just hop on a boat or hop on a train and you're out of town and you could write up fake papers and and also I just wanted to preface to since um Mr. Holmes or Dr. Holmes had quite a number of aliases true uh his birth name was Herman Webster Mudgett but just for the sake of this podcast in part one and part two we are going to exclusively refer to him as H.H. Holmes it's just easier that way that's we what could call him Herman as. oh my god <laughs> little, little Henry Herman. Howard Holmes was H.H. or little Herman I think I, I can kind of see the change to be honest I mean he did it more to get away with his crimes because he didn't want to get busted but Herman Webster Herman's not a budget is not it's not a great name. Mudget. It's not a great. Doesn't go well with Herman at all. I can tell you that. None of those names um, go well together. <laughs> he's also known as. Uh, it's kind of thrown around that he's America's first serial killer. I mean, that could technically be argued. I mean, I'm sure there were other serial killers prior to him, but he just happened to be the the kind of coined as the first one because it was in more of an urban populace that he did his murders in Chicago. And this was in the early 1890s. So this was at like the height. This was right after the uh, Great Chicago Fire. So this is when they were really trying to build a lot of commerce. So the World's Fair coming to Chicago at that time was huge. Um, and there was, it was one of the biggest, it was the biggest event um, in America to that day. Yeah, they had billed, what, it's like, there was millions, I think almost two million tickets. Oh my, yeah, there, there were, were people from across the globe, not just Americans. The they were, world. yeah. It was a complete and total expo. Um, yeah, so, he's... Also, it's great to know that he shares a sign with me. He sure does. We're both Tauruses. <laughs> Yay! That sounded straight I mean, up like a not, sheep. That's not. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's actually on a cusp, though. I think. Is he on a cusp with a uh, mm, May sixteenth? Hold, please. Say what I you were gonna don't say. Don't think so. <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But um, so he. It is. It's the Taurus Gemini cusp. What is it? The 16th or the 
The 16th through the 23rd. 23rd? Oh, Actually, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It is the 17th through the 23rd. Okay, 17th through the 23rd. So he basically is a cusp with the Gemini, which... It's us together! Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) The craziest of the two. Imagine us together as a killer. And you get H.H. Holmes. (laughs) Very methodical. Jesus. And calculated and... Um, Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say real quick though. So it's, it's, he was only confirmed to have murdered nine. He confessed to 27, but there have been figures up to almost 200 that have been rumored. Out of the 27, five of them were still alive though. So he lied about that. Remember? That's right. Five of the people that, of the 27, were actually still alive. When they investigated later. And I think that, was that prior to them finding the actual the three out of the nine that were murdered, the kids, or this was when he wrote that it was, it was, he confessed. It was after, it was after when he was, yeah, because he basically was already arrested and then they were charging him with the other murders, um, of the kids and Benjamin. So they basically were like, here's some shit and you can write your shit. And then he confessed to 27. So four of those were those three kids and him, Five of the people were already alive, or still were alive. still alive. That he, okay. Which they didn't okay. know that at that time. Right. But I think one of them actually came forward. They did. And they were like, huh, I'm alive? Yeah. <laughs> one of them did. One of the four did come forward, ultimately. Yes, this is why it was so hard to trace so many things, because he was just a known liar. He just, it was, it just came very, very, very easy to him. And I think that was another thing that made it easy for him to cover his tracks. Um, because it was uh, hard to believe a lot of what he said. Um, that's why it lists here on Wikipedia that besides being a serial killer, he was a con artist, a bigamist. Um, I mean, just the the murderer alone, he was the subject of more than 50 lawsuits. I mean, this was basically, there was one in particular that he had bought a safe from a bank on loan. And he basically built the murder castle around this safe. So the safe was actually in the middle of the hotel, uh, in the basement. And he defaulted on the loan to the bank. And when they came to retrieve the safe back, he said, I'm not giving you the money, but you can take the safe. But in removal of the safe, if you damage my hotel, I'm going to sue you for more than what it cost to actually replace the safe. So f- the bank just said, fuck it, and filed a lawsuit. <laughs> the bank was like, nah, man. No, nah, they filed a lawsuit against him, but he never paid it. Well, no. It was ridiculous. I mean, the things that he, like, oh, my God. So um, Adam Seltzer, which is a one of the best biographists for H.H. H. Holmes, wrote that, Effectively, a new American tall tale, and like all the best tall tales, it sprang from a kernel of truth, Um, just in regards to a lot of fictional accounts that he himself gave that actually, it was hard to believe if they were factual or not. Um, So he was 34. I was really, I you know, as much research has gone into and further to do about him, it really shocks me that he did so much in such a short amount of time. I mean, he's not 
all that much when he died he wasn't all that much younger than me or we're about the same age like he, he was, was just shy 30, of his 35th birthday yeah. so we're not that far off in age and god damn he fucking <laughs> but we also have to remember there were murders that happened prior to the murder castle too uh i i don't there was his cousins i don't think that was actually that's proven that's, but that was so something that was speculated there were mysterious deaths that were happening around him. around where he lived of these children that hold were on either... let's let's get really quick let's get into his birth and early life okay. <laughs> that's really quick just hold just, yeah i want to read this first paragraph and then i'll let you get into that no 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 because, good because that's that will be the perfect segue to the end of this because oh, yeah. that just gets through his childhood real quick. Um, so he was born Her Herman Webster Mudgett, as we mentioned, in a really small town in um, New Hampshire. It was called uh, Guildmanton um, on May 16th, 1861. His parents were Levi Horton Mudgett and, oh my God, his mother's name, Theodate Page Price. I, I seriously think it's pronounced Theodate. Um, both of them descended from the first English immigrants in the area. So, uh, yeah, the Mudgets came to Gilmanton in 1761. So they were the first white settlers to that area. Um, Mudget was his parents' third-born child. He had an older sister named Ellen, an older brother named Arthur, a younger brother named Henry, and a younger sister named Mary. So Herman was right smack in the middle. Holmes's father was from a farming family. At times he worked as a farmer, a trader, and a house painter, and his parents were devout Methodists. Now, just because they were a farming family did not mean that they were poor by any means. His family was very well off. His dad worked really, really, really hard to make sure that the family had a pretty healthy upbringing, even if they were a farming family. Um, Later attempts to fit Holmes into the pattern seen in modern serial killers have described him torturing animals and suffering from abuse at the hands of a violent father, but contemporary eyewitness accounts of his childhood do not provide proof of either. Now, apparently, both of his parents were very strict due to his uh, Methodist religious upbringing, but any accounts as far as them being uh, violent to the point of torturing him um, has not been proven. Um, and then again, with him torturing animals, none of that has been proven. Um, this is probably the first account I'm ever hearing of that. I think a lot of people just like to insert that about him because of what came with the notoriety of his name later on. But nothing has been substantiated as far as him torturing animals. As far as a lot of people described him, he was actually a really, really uh, smart child he figured things out pretty quickly he wasn't really too interested in in farming as far as working with his hands that way he was definitely more interested in in scientific things and reading he was a really 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 smart kid like figured things out pretty quickly it also kind of made him a bit of a smart ass from certain reports um i think that probably led his parents even being stricter on him with their religious upbringing. Um, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's spare the rod, spoil the child. A lot of people that are very religious spank their kids to the point that some people would consider them beatings. But um, as far as him flat out being abused, there's been no reports to substantiate that um, and nothing with him torturing animals. I, I don't, he didn't even want anything to do with that. Um so at 16, he graduated from high school, uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, and took teaching jobs in Gilmanton and later in nearby Alton. 
On July 4th, uh, Independence Day of 1878, he married Clara Lovering in Alton, and they had a son by the name of Robert Lovering Mudgett, who was born on February 3rd, 1880 in Loudoun, New Hampshire. As an adult, Robert became a certified public accountant and served as city manager of Orlando, Florida. Um, this is where later on we'll get into Jeff Mudgett, which is a descendant of H.H. H. Holmes. That He would be the descendant through Robert Mudgett, uh, Clara's, Clara and H.H.'s um, H. H.'s son. But yeah, if you wanted to get into the murders of those children, um, I wanted to bring that up because something mentioned in a in a series we watched, that's why I mentioned Jeff Mudgett, talked about uh, him possibly murdering two cousins when he was so, younger. So there was a mysterious, her name was Mary, wasn't it Mary Mudgett? Yeah. Uh, she was supposedly, she, she supposedly drowned. Yeah. Um, but... They're saying that it was, like, her, like, she drowned. Right. Uh, but what's very strange is that he had another cousin who also drowned. Drowned. Um, and also there were a bunch of kids who were around his age or slightly younger who were disappearing, who were mysteriously dying. Um, now, of course, there's no evidence and there's nothing to substantiate that it was him. But... There weren't any, like, it's just, it's very odd because all of it stopped after he left. Because I, I failed to mention that prior to him graduating high school at the age of 16, when I mentioned about him being so smart, he was bullied a lot, especially early on in, you know, say those like elementary school ranges, mm -hmm. because um, he was such a smart kid. I mean, like, literally top of his class throughout elementary school. I mean, he graduated when he was 16. So he, extremely intelligent, but that left him quite antisocial. Maybe some to his own, because, like I said, it was rumored that he was a bit of a smartass. So he would make it known. I could totally believe him making it known that he was smarter than other kids. So this did lead him to be bullied a lot. There was actually a instance that he mentions which i haven't been able to find anything if it was corroborated or not again he lied quite a bit but this was something that's been mentioned quite often that he mentioned in one of his writings that happened when he was quite young i think probably around the age maybe around eight to ten where there were some older classmates there was a doctor in the area that was rumored to um sell bodies back and forth surprisingly the same thing that H.H. H. Holmes was doing later on but there was rumored that there were dissections and bodies and all different things in this doctor's office and he was this local physician in town so these boys took him there broke into the doctor's office and right in the corner of a doctor mind you this is at night it's pitch dark right in the corner of this doctor's offices now Obviously, there were no bodies lying around like everybody rumored, but there was a real life skeleton. So as many people have seen in different medical movies and stuff where there's the skeleton hanging on the pole. Um, I even had one in science class throughout various science classes, especially when I was in high school. Typically, by the time I was in high school, they were fake. Well, back in the day, they were real. They were real skeletons that people use that were typically donated to science to be used to study later. So the boys thinking that that would totally freak him out. It did at first, 
But then later, it had an after effect. Admittedly, H.H. himself described it as curing him because it piqued his curiosity. I mean, he was terrified at first, but because he became fascinated by the bones and the inner workings of the human body, it cured him. So Creepy, it's almost. I'm telling you, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I didn't even know what to think about that. Like here, this ten-year-old kid, instead of being terrified, it made him want to know what's going on. You know what's on actually really the human weird? body. I, I remember when I was a kid and seeing skeletons would actually scare me. Yeah, I remember that. I remember when I would see a skeleton or a skull, and I would get scared as a kid. Not like, oh my god, I'm cured. <laughs> No, it would freak freaked me out. It totally, yeah, me too. Especially that age, like eight, nine years old. Yeah, like, that I was would not about terrify that. me. Not about especially that. you know it was real. Like that was yeah. a that, those were real fucking bones. Like no, so that that in itself was pretty weird to hear that even from a young age he's wanted to know what the inside of a body looked like, and he's already kind of given some vibes. I mean. That, I think that's why, okay, because that, that sounds a lot like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. It does. I think that's why people could have attributed HH to har- harming animals, because we know for a fact that Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer did. Now, there's been no evidence that HH Holmes did, because like I said, he wasn't about that farming life. He wasn't into that <laughs> stuff. He wanted to read books. He did not want to work out on a farm and do all the same stuff his dad did. But... That Who's was to say he something... didn't kill a bunny every once in a while. Right, you but know? that is something that he wanted, that he showed early fascination with, that Jeffrey Dahmer showed early fascination with when he would, you know, if you listen back to our episode when we, he talked about, uh, or even anything you've read about him, because his dad brought home the acid and he dissolved the yep. bodies to see what was inside of them. So he's always had this fascination. So yeah, it's very similar um, so I just, I thought that was, I thought that story was really interesting when he said that instead of it freaking him out, it, it just made him even more fascinated with the human body, which there led him into wanting to be a doctor. Of course. How you else, know. how else would you be able to see inside of a human body? I mean, murdering people, <laughs> but he was like, next you know, best I thing, become a doctor. Perfect how to murder. The become next a best thing <laughs> is to become a doctor. Become a doctor to perfect how to murder. Yes. Who would have thunk it? So he enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington, Vermont at the age of 18, but was dissatisfied with school and left after one year. You know um, why he was dissatisfied? Because they wouldn't let him play with cadavers. That's why he was dissatisfied. He thought after a year he knew what he was doing. So he's like, I'm ready to cut some bodies up. And they're like, uh, yeah, no, you're like literally just a year in. We don't, we don't do that yet. And he's like, well. He's like, well, I bitch, I do that yet. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, also, at the time, the University of Michigan was the most prestigious medical school in the country. In 1871, they had the largest enrollment of any medical school in the U.S. So by the time he enrolled in 1882, he was in the most prestigious medical program that you could be in in the country. Side note, uh, about a year ago, I visited Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan's uh, Department of Medical campus 
for a uh, conference thing. My, my father has a rare form of cancer, so they were kind of doing this conference for uh, different treatments and current medications that he's on. Um, those buildings are still all of the original buildings that were there. So I ended up finding out later that two of the buildings that we walked through were the same buildings that H.H. Holmes had studied in. And that was just really fucking weird <laughs> to think I was in the same halls that he walked through. I mean, that's all the original wood, all of the original buildings from the 1800s. So yeah, it just, it made it quite haunting to think that he was in those same halls that I walked at that time, like literally in the early stages of contemplating murdering people. And like, this is how I'm going to perfect doing it. Maybe if he didn't necessarily want to perfect murdering people, but it definitely, I think, added to his con because now he could tell people he was a doctor. Uh, I need a doctor. Call me a doctor. Not this one. <laughs> I need a doctor to take my life. And he was like, this looks like good job for me. <laughs> that's, that's so fucked up. Somebody make that a TikTok though. Somebody made that a TikTok really of Ted Bundy. Okay, amazing. Listen. So it was a TikTok of that song and it said God making humans. And then it was like, God makes too many women. And he's like, oh no. And then she comes in as Ted Bundy and goes, this looks like a job for me. And I'm like, that's so fucked up. But I laughed. <laughs> okay, that's fucked up but amazing. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but I'm like imagining you do that like somebody doing that for H.H. Holmes though. Like same thing. Like, yeah. I need you, I need a doctor. Like if these people who were like, just kill me. And he's like, this looks like a job for me. <laughs> <laughs> he just pops in with his little derby hat and his mustache. If I and had a derby hat and a, a mustache, mustache, I would do it. Make it happen. <laughs> um, so one thing I found interesting. Oh, too, I was going to say real quick. I was going to say you talking about like going into the University of Michigan. Yeah. When you guys go to any place where there have been like old history like that, there is a feel about oh, there it is for sure. That I can't like being in the Borden house last year, being in uh Denver State. Yeah. And um in the Ohio State Reformatory, there is a feel, and it's not even about it, the fact that it's haunted. It's just knowing the history and knowing the things that have happened in those areas, and you're like, I am standing. Let me tell you something, standing in that spot where Abby Borden, I was like, last name just gone. Abby Borden's body was found was so eerie. Like, it was just, obviously, it wasn't the same carpet. Obviously, it wasn't, the, you know, whatever. But standing in that exact spot was one of the eeriest things. Standing in the exact spot of the performatory where there were just people just beaten. And it, it's just, it's the weirdest thing you can imagine. So, like, walking into the University of Michigan and knowing that he was there, that's just... It's so weird. It was creepy. <laughs> like it was it was creepy to say the least. Like I yeah, it was it was just interesting to even think cuz it was something that I didn't consider um come on. <laughs> but yeah, anything like that, it's I love how you mentioned that cuz even if even if somewhere isn't purportedly haunted, just to know that you're standing somewhere that's a part of history 
it says that's a lot. how it felt a lot it with just lot. Salem because you, you know when it. you're standing in Salem not a lot Salem is very haunted but we didn't experience anything in the city like when you were actually doing the ghost tour we didn't experience anything so but actually standing on the grounds were so much happening he's going through the things that happen it didn't need to be haunted to be haunting yeah it's just it's very it's very weird to stand where so many years things like that have happened yeah and like i said even if that even if none of the murders actually happened like he just is such a notorious figure that to think that he was anywhere a part of where i stood just and you know what's even more fucked up very strange that's exactly what he wanted oh i know he wanted to be notorious oh, he wanted he, to be a legacy yeah. and look not that he, negative attention is how many still attention. fucking podcasts we're doing a podcast about him right now how many podcasts and documentaries and god knows what i mean his name books exactly what he wanted is exactly what has happened his name has lived on in infamy but Exactly what most serial killers want is yeah. exactly what they get. Bundy especially. Dahmer. Well, Dahmer didn't really. But. Funny thing that we mentioned Bundy, though, is that one thing that I found interesting that was mentioned that a lot of people found interesting was that he actually graduated. Because if you remember, right. Bundy didn't. So mm-hmm. because he thought he was... Most serial killers think they're just, they're too fucking smart. They know everything. Bundy was the prime example of thinking he literally knew fucking everything. So not, not to say that Holmes didn't think that he did. I mean, I'm sure he did, but he was actually very smart. Bundy was, the thing about Holmes and Bundy is that Holmes was science smart. He actually was really He was really intelligent. Bundy was street smart. He was cunning. Bundy was just street smart. Yeah. He wasn't good with like math no, or no, no, English no, no, or anything. No. But see, that's the thing. Holmes was. He would also, he couldn't <clears throat> keep himself together. That's why he didn't work well as a lawyer because he would go off in these just psychotic rants because he was fucking psychotic and he couldn't. That was the one thing that Bundy couldn't do that Holmes had perfected. Was keeping that straight line. Bundy would have those breaks mm-hmm. where you would start to Ooh, wait a minute, like where he would try to keep it normal but couldn't quite. H.H. Mm. H. Holmes, straight face the whole fucking time, lie right to your face. But never I don't have think, a fucking clue. I, I don't mean, think he, Holmes had a mental problem. No, well, not well, like Bundy did. You know, like right, like Bundy, right, right, right. Bundy no. was bipolar, definitely, and, and that's why he, he couldn't Holmes keep it was together. A, he was just a fucking psychopath. Right. A sociopath <clears throat> and a psychopath are different, and that's how the difference. That difference there is what made him different from Bundy, and the fact that he was able to keep it together, and he knew what he was doing, and not he was good at it. From yeah, he was very fucking good at it. Um, kind of makes you wonder if he was still alive today or if he lived during Bundy's time, the differences, like what would he have done differently? Because you, he wouldn't have got away with the shit he got away. Oh, he, no, no. But I don't think that, I think he would have murdered more. Probably. And he would have murdered a lot more. He would have gotten caught, but he would have murdered a lot more. (laughs) Right. Well, and Ted didn't hide himself. True. He didn't. You know, H.H. He was did. very plain sight, yeah. 
H.H. did, because not long after this is when the name change happened. So he was still Herman Webster Mudgett when he graduated in 1884 after passing his exams. Um, he studied chemistry and anatomy at the University of Michigan Med Medical School. Um, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor Herdman, uh, who was then the chief anatomy instructor. He also apprenticed uh, in New Hampshire under Dr. <clears throat> uh, I'll just say white. I'm not even going to try it. It's probably first. Nahum. Nahum, um, who was a noted advocate of human dissection, of all things. Years later, when Holmes was suspected of murder and claimed to be nothing but an insurance fraudster, he admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies several times while he was in college. So right then and there, already a fucking con artist. Housemates described Holmes as treating Clara violently. And in 1884, before his graduation, she moved back to New Hampshire and later wrote she knew little of him afterwards. After he moved to Moore's Forks, New York, a rumor spread that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who later disappeared. Holmes claimed the boy went back to his home in Massachusetts. No investigation took place and Holmes quickly left town. Huh. Why'd he leave? Huh. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much defrauded everybody. And those two years prior to him changing his name um, and going to Chicago, he was a clerk, an attendant, a teacher, and a doctor. He fraud and swindled people all along the way, possibly killed a little boy. And you know what's crazy, though, is that it seems like every time... Wherever he goes, death follows him. Oh, every time. But there's he never will leave a death every time. But there's oh, never absolutely. An investigation. There's never that, and there's never any evidence. Yep. So the coincidences that constantly surround this man are just too. Well, this is what's great when we get into the murder house because he knew even early on how to get rid of a body yep. or how to make it look like an accident. So as a kid with the drownings, you can easily make a drowning look like an accident. And if this little boy is rumored to have disappeared, whatever, and he really did murder him, he, he knew very early on by then how to get rid of a body. I mean, if he studied human dissection, cut up a body, dump it, whatever, it's gone. You don't need the whole body. Cut it up, drop off different pieces. I mean, he knew. It's just so crazy to think that his medical teachings played a role in making him even more methodical as a murderer. Not not even so much as a con artist, but it's like really I as a studied medicine and I studied anatomy to make me a better murderer. Well, let's also not get it twisted. He was also a fucking asshole. He beat his wife. I mean, True. there were there were reports that she had bruises that she would try to cover up her face with makeup because he would leave bruises on her i mean he just he sounds like a great guy he just <laughs> is a total as, as as long as this story goes on and on and on he is just a total piece of shit all the true. way around he's a so cheater true. a liar an abuser i'm a, a bitch artist, I'm a, a fucking a fucking murderer a fucking just just i'm an ass i'm, I'm a like, comment, like, i'm a killer i was like how can we remake that song because he is everything in a i'm a thing. sinner not a saint Oh I do God. not feel ashamed. At all. <laughs> Perfect for him. Oh, God. So he later went to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and got a job at a keep as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital, but he quit after a few days. 
He later took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia while he was working there. Uh, of course, a little boy dies after taking medicine that was purchased at the store. Hmm. He denied any involvement in the death and immediately left the city. Hmm? So right around 1885, I'm guessing this would have been, he immediately changed his name to what we now know as Henry Howard Holmes to avoid the possibility of being exposed by victims of his previous scams. Um, probably also not to get caught for the he's doing some killings of these kids he's doing some i mean because it's already killings. adding up we mm. haven't even gotten to the fucking murder castle yet and it's already starting to add up the the cousins these two boys i mean we've we've already got a handful of of murders by now true in the confession after his arrest he claimed that he had killed his former medical classmate dr robert leacock in 1886 for insurance money However, the doctor died in Watford, Ontario, in Canada on October 5th, 1889. So this was, I'm assuming, one of the ones that he said he murdered that he didn't, that wound up being alive and died later. In 1886, while still married to Clara, who's alone and taking care of his child all by herself, after being abused by him. God, I mean, honestly, though, if anything, um, she's probably better off. That's true. Honest to God. I mean, <laughs> she's probably just better he off. He could have murdered her, too. So, yeah, exactly. He married Murda Bel- Belknap. Um, she was born October of 1862 in Pennsylvania, and they married in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He filed for divorce from Clara a few weeks after marrying Murda, alleging infidelity on her part you know though honestly if i was her i would have been like you know what yeah but okay she fine fucking that's great. sign the papers yeah, i don't give a fuck great. just get out of that's my fucking awesome. life <laughs> the claims could not be proven and the suit went nowhere surviving paperwork indicated she probably was never even informed of the suit in any case the divorce was never finalized it was dismissed june 4th of 1891 on the grounds of a want of prosecution oh my god <laughs> so still this whole fucking time Holmes had a daughter with Murda, Lucy Theodate Holmes. So he gave you know her I never the middle even name. That. that was his mother's first name. Never even put two and two together. Guess on he that. didn't hate mom that much. <laughs> who was born on July fourth of eighteen eighty nine in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. As an adult, Lucy became a public school teacher. Holmes lived with Murda and Lucy in Wilmot, Illinois, and spent most of his time in Chicago tending to business. Holmes married Georgina Yoke on January 17th, 1894 in Denver, Colorado, while still married to both Clara and Murda. This motherfucker was a polygamist. Actually, no, it was just a con man. <laughs> and I don't think any of them, none of them, none of them knew, knew nope. about the other one because they were all in different... I mean, they were all in different fucking states How by that time. How good so... at conning can you be when you're married to three different women at once and none of them know? Yep, Clara's in New Hampshire. Uh, but clearly this happened Berta way back in the 1880s. Was in no Minneapolis and uh, Georgina was in Colorado. So This wouldn't happen today. A bitch will know. We find out shit. <laughs> oh yeah, there was no fucking Facebook back then. Everybody and their whole mother would have known if there was Facebook back then. Jesus. Um, oh, my God. I want somebody to create a Facebook if it was during the late 1880s, like 1880s, 1890s, like the turn of the 19th century. How hilarious would that be? That would be perfect. If That'd be could hilarious. do like an 18th, 19th century. And speak like them. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> the Book of Face. 
And call it that. Circa. The Book of Fates. 1888. Oh, Gloria. 1898 something. I don't know. Oh, Gloria. Have you. How art thou today? I don't even know. I'm talking the fucking Bible. Yeah, I literally. I I know. I was going to say I was like. That's the Bible. (laughs) That's not. I mean, I. It probably wasn't all that different from us, but. It would just. No, probably not too, too different. Definitely wasn't Bible speak. Definitely I'm going back to the witch speaking like Thou that Mother art Thou art Thou is <laughs> Thou is <laughs> Thou Thou is There's just a lot of There's so <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of spitting in Bible spitting. times. Just a lot of these and thous and Doth Doth, doth thou know you weareth her drapes? I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. It's from the Avengers. But <laughs> when when uh, Iron Man's talking to Thor. Yes. Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? Yes. Is this Shakespeare in the park? Oh my god. Yeah, that's Shakespeare talk. The doth and the thous and the these. That's that's Shakespeare. No, it's not the late not not the the turn of the nineteenth century. Oh my god, that is hilarious. Um (laughs) I don't know why. That was like really I was like, oh my god. (laughs) That's a a great idea though. So if someone wants to go back to see how they talked in the late eighteen hundreds and uh make a Facebook thing, that would be hilarious. I'm I'm all for that. Um, did you want to go ahead and read from the murder castle in Chicago? Um, I did want to preface by saying that, uh, by the, um, time that he made it to Chicago, they were the, uh, I know I mentioned this early on, but the Chicago fire was in 1874. So this was literally not even 10 some odd years later that they were still, in the uh, precipice of rebuilding a city as big as Chicago. so um, But because of that happening, it was a perfect city to start. Like, there were jobs. It was it was booming at that point. because Real estate. Yeah. And Real you could buy shit for cheap. Huge. Super, people super wanted, fucking people cheap. People wanted apartments. People wanted hotels. People wanted businesses. People wanted to build. So that means you could do it cheap. You could do it fast. And, it was uh, just such a great opportunity for homes. A great so. place to to swindle to swindle people. Shit, I shouldn't even say and, a great opportunity and I'm murder like, people. You know, so a great opportunity. Fucking details for him. <laughs> great opportunity. So he arrived in Chicago in August of 1886, which is when he began using the name H. H. Holmes. He came across Elizabeth. He came across Elizabeth. Holton's drugstore at the southwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. Holton gave Holmes a job and he proved to be a hardworking employee eventually buying the store. Although several books portray Holton's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with his wife, Dr. Holton was a fellow Michigan alumnus only a few years older than Holmes and both Holtons remained in Inglewood throughout Holmes' life and survived well into the 20th century. It is a myth that they were killed by Holmes. Holmes purchased an empty lot across the drugstore. Then again, it's like, if someone disappeared, it was Holmes. Yeah, because see, it was rumored. <laughs> I had to I had to find 
this out later on. So real quick, just so we get this out of the way, because we've mentioned Jeff Mudgett, there was a really great series back on twenty back in twenty seventeen on the History Channel called American Ripper, where fantastic uh, series. Jeff Mudgett, who is a descendant of H. H. Holmes, um, was a former criminal lawyer. He worked alongside an FBI profiler to uh, create a link between H.H. Holmes possibly being Jack the Ripper. And um, with a lot of this research that they had with the connection between Holmes and the Ripper, they were also able to uncover a lot of early information about Holmes himself. So it was really, really interesting to watch, especially if you're a Jack the Ripper fan. But that was one thing that was mentioned uh early on in this as far as what had happened to the Holtons because in a lot of early documentaries especially the one that I mentioned that's on Amazon as great as it was it does say that Mr. Holton um died mysteriously and that Mrs. Holton mysteriously disappeared after she sold the drugstore to uh Holmes which like we know now, according to Wikipedia and what we saw on the American Ripper series, that that was not the case, that they weren't this old, feeble couple. They weren't all that much older than Holmes, and they lived pretty healthy lives well into the 20th century. So they were just another couple Mm -hmm. that fell for Holmes's con, and he was able to con them into selling him their property. So that's ultimately what happened. I just wanted to get that out of the way because that is something that has been <clears throat> thrown around thrown around in in other uh tales that they were murdered or mysteriously disappeared because of him and that wasn't the case not true so he purchased the empty lot across from the drugstore where construction began in 87 for a two-story mixed use building with apartments on the second floor and retail spaces including a new drugstore on the first when Holmes declined to pay the architects or steel company, Etina Iron and Steel, they sued in 1888. It's pronounced Etna. Okay, so. I, I just like... <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Etna mode. You're fine. <laughs> in 1892, he... Th- he th- oh, God. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers that he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World Columbian Exposition. Through the hotel portion, though the po- hotel portion was never completed, furniture suppliers found Holmes was hiding their materials for which he had never paid in hidden rooms and passages throughout the building. So basically what he did was he signed for a bunch of credit and never paid any of it back. Nope. <laughs> like, so that would literally be like just getting a bunch of credit cards and never, never paying, paying them back, back and just saying, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> He had some bad credit then. Also, he took out credit in different names, too. That's the other right. thing that people have to remember. He never kept the same name. He had several aliases. I mean, everything. Wikipedia lists, like, six of them, but there's, like, 20. Henry like, M. Howard, Henry Gordon, Alexander Bond, O.C. Pratt, D.T. Pratt, A.E. Cook, and G. Howell. Those were just a very small amount. Um I mean, Henry Howard Holmes is a damn alias. That's not even his real name. It's Herman Webster Mudgett. So even the name that we refer to him as now was not his real name. So just those few that 
Wikipedia mentioned doesn't even cover <clears throat> half of the aliases that he used throughout his time. So in the uh, murder castle, there were soundproof rooms and mazes of hallways, some which seemed to go to nowhere. It reminded me a lot of the Winchester Mansion. A lot, especially as big as... Because wasn't... What didn't end up being... Um, it was ultimately seven stories, wasn't it? I thought it ended up just only being the three. Because remember, he set the third three floor on fire. Third floor. So it was just three. Three floors. And the third floor was the one that was supposed to be the hotel space. Right. right? And that ultimately ended up being where all of the rooms were. Because the first floor was... Uh, all the businesses. All the drugstore. The all second the, the floor shop, is where the, he kept... The murder rooms, because he put a bunch of asbestos in the walls. Oh my goodness. Asbestos. So it was easier for them to drop down into the Mm -hmm. acid vats in the basement. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um... So many of the rooms were outfitted with chutes that would drop down to the basement where he had acid vats, quicklime, and a crematorium to dispose of the bodies. Their search made the news... And investors for the planned hotel pulled out of the deal when a jeweler in the building showed them articles. The hotel was gutted by a fire started by an unknown arsonist shortly after Holmes was arrested, but was largely rebuilt as a post and used as a what? Hold on, largely rebuilt and used as a post office until eight nineteen thirty eight. So basically, what happened was is to claim the insurance money. There, it's said that Holmes or somebody that he knew set the third floor on fire to claim the insurance money from it. <clears throat> Excuse me, which they were like, mm, mm. they finally started catching on the shit. So in 1892, the hotel was somewhat completed with three stories in a basement. The first floor was the storefront. The second story consisted of elaborate torture rooms, which contained a chute that led to the basement and the third floor was more apartment rooms. In 1894, some police officers inspected the hotel while Holmes was out. During the inspection, they found rooms with hinged walls, false partitions, rooms linked with secret passageways, and even airtight rooms that were connected to pipelines filled with gas, which Holmes used to get as gas chambers. Holmes would use chutes to deliver the bodies to the basement, and once there, he made use of surgical tables and an array of medical tools to dissect them, before selling the organs and bones on the black market to medical institutions, where this motherfucking bitch would use the skeletal remains of his victims and sell them to schools for, you know, just like we had discussed earlier, where the skeletons were there, his victims were hiding in plain sight. Yeah, a lot of schools in and around the area um, that were using skeletons in their science labs and offices were actual possible victims of H.H. Holmes out of this murder castle. Um, So there was also a creditor who uh, I did want to mention there was a creditor that this, this is another murder that was possibly attributed to him. It's unknown. There was a creditor by the name of John de Bruel, um, one of many people that he owed money to, that mysteriously died in uh, April of 1891 in the drugstore. 
So it's unknown if Holmes was involved with his demise, but it was under really mysterious circumstances. So it's quite possible that, you know, he could have been concocting poisons and things in this drugstore. You know, that was another thing that he was rumored to have done was uh, poison a lot of his victims, if not through gas, just through poisoning food, different things like that. So that's something that he could have very well perfected as a druggist. Um, I mean, he was, he was trained, he was medically trained. He had access to a drugstore. So he had access to a plethora of different drugs, uh, uh, chloroform, um, which is one that he, he liked chloroform a lot. He liked chloroform. Yeah. He really liked chloroform because essentially it would knock you completely unconscious. Like you had no, you'll have no record. And then you have complete memory lapses if that that was the big thing with that's the you know that was the biggest thing with chloroform is that you could chloroform a victim and not only were they completely unconscious if you didn't murder them and they were <laughs> alive afterwards they have absolutely no memory of what happened so it was almost foolproof if you were going to use it in the kidnapping um so before we get into um we really don't want to get into the murders, murders yet because we want to really um, save that more for the second part we want to really dive deep into this jack the ripper thing yeah um especially because what we were talking about with the murder castle between 1886 and um 1889 or 1892 i'm sorry um from when he arrived in chicago in 1886 to when he got arrested in 1890. It was 1892, right? When he got arrested or 1894. Uh, it was 1894. 1894 but, when he was um, arrested. So basically, these murders of Jack the Ripper happened between August of 1888 and, Aug and, August, and November of 1888. There were five murders, and each of them were murdered pretty much the same way. Uh, he was never discovered as to who it was. Um, but what is very strange is when it comes to insurance fraud and everything that H.H. H. Holmes did, there were ledgers. There were ledgers kept between his name signing and whoever he was dealing with signing. Even if he usually in Chicago would sign H.H. H. Holmes, um, he would use the aliases more for traveling. Right. But he did use a lot of the ledgers that he had were always H.H. H. Holmes, it seemed like, when he was in Chicago. So the last known ledger that he had was in July of 1888, and there's a massive gap up to April of 1889, which is very odd because there were, like, it was like a weekly basis where they would keep records of him doing these insurance shit because um, there were quite a bit. I mean, he had to keep up. Right. Each one had to be kept up with in order to. <laughs> I mean, he made such a business in scheming. He literally made a business in being a fucking con. That's how he made his money. Thief. That's how he made his money. So that's why there were these ledgers kept, because this was something that was done on a daily to weekly basis that he had to keep up these cons and uh especially like for instance with um 
the building of the murder castle. Mm-hmm. He never had the same people there construction right. wise working on it. Now, a lot of that was rumored, I think somewhat in the same way as, okay. So like when we were talking about the Winchester house, mm-hmm. that it was never the same workers because it wanted to be kept secret of how she was actually building the house. I think it was rumored that that was something that was done with H.H. Holmes as well, that he wanted to switch workers each time so that people didn't catch on to what he was building and how he was building it. And see, I don't buy that. I think it's because he could get out of paying people. It's probably a little bit of both. Okay. I, I would honestly imagine it would be a little bit of both because he could fire somebody and be like, nah, I don't have to pay you now. But it also could be because he's the only one that knows. That knows. Because you can't tell me those workers weren't building that and they weren't like, this is odd. Yeah, like, why are there <laughs> Why are doors, we building this? Why are there doors to know? Why are we building chutes? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. You definitely don't want people catching on to what you're doing. But also, what's the best way that I could get out of pain you did a shit job you're fired literally the slightest thing there's a nail out of place you're fired so that way you could get out of paying them but um, he could keep up with um i mean he did several cons besides that he one medical con that he did quite a bit of and i just wanted to mention this real quick because i have always believed that jack the ripper was a doctor if you really delve into the murders they are done with such medical precision that to me it's undeniable with all of the Ripper research that I've done, that Jack the Ripper was a doctor or, or was very well versed in medical knowledge and anatomy of the human body for sure. And um, that was something else that H.H. H. Holmes did on top of his cons were a lot of medical cons that he would do. Um, one really popular one around the turn of the century was bloodletting. Mm-hmm. That was something that was believed that Anything that ailed you, any disease that you had was due to quote unquote bad blood. And because uh, baby, now we go. <laughs> I know it was so hard. I was like, I was trying, I was trying, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And of course, I had to I know it's it. a Taylor Swift song. I'm sorry, that's a really um, good song. I don't really a, like Taylor Swift, it is a, a really great good song. song. It's a great song. It hits. I'm sorry it does. Um, (laughs) But he would carry, so people that would say that they were doctors, quote unquote, half the time they weren't. Barbers literally did bloodletting. So these were not people that had medical degrees by any means. You could walk into a barber shop and they would fucking do this for you for like, ooh, two pence. I'm going to shave and a haircut and slit my wrist because I want to get this blood out of me. Um, So it was just little tiny instruments that they would carry around with them that were just literally little razor sharp knives that they would just cut into people to literally bloodlet, to let blood out because they felt, I mean, that's honestly what they believed. Anything that you had wrong with you, whether it was a headache, whatever, it was due to let's get that blood out. So that well, was I something mean, that he would do and he would do it in the pharmacy. That's kind of something that people attribute to cutting. Yeah. Because it does, it releases, it releases endorphins, endorphins right. that do actually stop the pain, right. which is why most people, and I'm, I am not making any kind of like 
Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not making fun of this. In yeah, any way, we're not making light in any way, shape, or form of self I'm Yeah, I'm not making but... making light of this because I understand why people cut themselves because it is a release. It's a release of pain. Right. And it's not an actual real medical thing. I yeah, mean, if, no. you, if you have cancer, if you have actual medical conditions, don't fucking cut yourself and no. bleed. That's not going to do it. But I'm just psychologically, psychologically, yeah. it has been proven later that the reason why some people will lead to self-mutilations like cutting is because the release of endorphins will actually have a positive effect on the anxiety. So mm -hmm. from a psychological standpoint, yes, on one hand, but on the reasoning why Holmes and other people were using at the turn of the century, definitely not. <laughs> like I said, in barbershops, um, little fun fact, that's actually where that red and white spiral came from the barbershop poles is that after they would bloodlet, they would take the rags and they would clean you up and then they would wring the rags around a pole outside of the barbershop so they would look red and white. So to this day... That is why barbershops have a red and white. That color. is cr I did not know that. Yep. I'm over here like. <laughs> because barbers didn't just. Yeah. I mean, they would do minor medical procedures on top of, you know, hair, hair cuts and shaves and different things like that. But yeah, it is true. Anybody can fucking look that up. That is why to this day you still have the red and white barbershop pole. It was because they would take the rags and wring them around a pole after they would clean up all of the blood from basically letting people bleed out as they were waiting to get a haircut. I'm sorry. I'm shook. <laughs> you would not believe. I'm over here like. You would not believe how many people don't know that. Well, it's so not like I would see that and I'd be like, that. you know what know. that's from? You know what started How from? many times? So, uh, yay. You're very welcome every time you drive past a barbershop now and you see that little morbid. <laughs> little taste of I mean, morbid to be friend, honest with you with I, I tend to look at most things morbidly so same I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like oh it's same <laughs> and I can do it in a fun <laughs> so going back to Mr. Ripper uh, basically what happened was oh the other thing I was going to point out so when he when they travel from the United States to London to keep ledgers of all of that shit too, um, now this one guy on that American Ripper show had uh, copies of the ledger, and there were it was never H. H. Holmes that was on the paper, but he had a lot of his aliases, and one of the biggest aliases he had was the Alex was it Alex Murdoch's or Murdoch was that what is Oh, I think that was one of them, yeah. That name was used in coming into America from London in uh, December of 88. Now, remember, the murders happened from August of 88 to November of 88. And they said typically it would take around a week to two weeks to um, travel from uh, England to America and from America to England. So the timing is very odd. Um, obviously, that's not concrete evidence, but that's still very weird to have the ledgers have a gap and then to have him coming, quote unquote him, coming from London to America. Right. That's just part of the things that are the same. We have 
five women who were killed. Each single one of them, it was like a, it was like an evolution. You have the first one who was killed, nothing was taken. Um, you have the second one who was killed. Mind you, all of these women were killed with their throat slashed um, from left to right. When yeah, it, there was also um, every woman prior to having their throat shla- slashed were also strangled. Mm-hmm. This was another thing that Holmes did as well. This was another MO that he had that uh, is actually pretty popular you hear amongst um, several serial killers. Mm-hmm. I think Bundy did it too. It's, I believe so, yeah. It's, you know, being able to take their lives they want the to watch the life own come out hands of and mm-hmm. exactly and you can watch i mean it's what better way to play god than you're literally watching yourself take their life with your hands so uh that's also something yeah so with not only the strangulation of each victim prior to the throat being slit it's also the motion of the throat being slit because that would indicate Right hand. Mm-hmm. Right and to left. H.H. H. Holmes, right-handed. So that right there. Even though, you know, that's a small, but right. still a connection. It's still like all of the still coincidences. There's a lot of fucking... I, There's a lot of coincidences. I am telling you, this show is on Amazon Prime. It's eight episodes. They're about 40 to 45 minutes long. And I urge every single one of you to watch it's this. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it. It's, it's amazing. I watched it then. I watched it again for this. It was so fucking cool. It was and I was so, so into cool. it. I, I usually will just kind of like whatever, but I was so into this that I watched it in two days. I would have watched it in one had I not worked, but. I wanted to, I just wanted to believe. And I, I to be honest, still kind of believe. As far as how much do I believe, yes. I'll give you a percentage. I think 80%. Yeah. That he was Jack the Ripper. Because I have doubt. Because, you know, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. We're never going to know. Never. Yeah. But the coincidences surrounding this shit is just too much. Not to mention the fact that there were 13 eyewitnesses. Which, even like they said in the show, 13 eyewitnesses back then was huge. For 13 different people to see... Have a de- have a decent idea of what this man looked like. Now on the show, this really fucked me up. On the show, they they took um, the thirteen eyewitnesses to a uh, person who basically would draw up a picture of what this person would have looked like. So it's a criminal uh, profile or a criminal uh, illustrator. So anybody that would basically composite sketches. Anytime on the news that you see composite sketches of what a suspect would look like, that's essentially they had somebody do a composite sketch from these 13 eyewitness reports of what it is believed that Jack the Ripper looked like. And it was such a match that Jeff Mudgett stated that if you took this in, you this Today. would be enough circumstantial evidence for a warrant. And that was in 2017. And he he even put it in the words as of, he said, I was looking into a face that I recognized. Mm -hmm. And And that actually wasn't the first time. No. Because Jeff Mudgett is believed for quite a while that H.H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. Back in 2006, he took those same 13 eyewitness accounts 
from Scotland Yard, went to the BBC and had a computer composite sketch of Ripper done, which uh, determined a 97.95% match. Um, even the handwriting composites, uh, he had one done by an expert of the British Library that they were done by the same hand. Um, and I'm trying to remember though. Now I think that was one thing on this show that they it was not said, conclusive, but it was not inconclusive. That's right. So this, this he is literally the couldn't say yes, it was the same hand, but he literally couldn't say no, it wasn't. Right. So back in 2006, and on the show in 2017, the composite sketches were damn near exactly the same. Now the handwriting analysis that Jeff Mudgett had back in 2006 by this British library expert stated that it was a dead match to the Ripper letters, specifically the Dear Boss letter. But now the handwriting expert that they had on the show in 2017 was not able to give conclusive enough evidence. Um, I was, I did think it was also really interesting that they mentioned at the Dear Boss letter that Linguist stated that in the way that it was written and the words that were used were clearly American. I even said it when it said there was part of the letter that said right away. I even said it to myself. I was like, they would have said straight away. Straight away. Yeah. Now that, that was the, that that was was the a, dead giveaway for me. Because and I, I was like, I know British people still say, they say that. straight away. They say straight away. Straight away. Back because there was away. one time, listen, one of my cousins one time was saying something and she said straight away. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> I was like, how many British shows have you been watching as of late? Like, what have you... And then I was like, I just said as of late. I'm like, how many British shows have I been watching? Have I been watching? <laughs> um, yeah, so that that in itself was, was really fucking interesting. Um, it also should be noted that uh, Jeff Mudgett didn't find out that he was related to H.H. H. Holmes until he was 40 years old. How did he find out? Um, it was actually through, so I found a really cool, uh, article, um, from a blog on Ancestry.com that was actually written by Chris Williams. If anybody knows this name, any old school Ghost Hunters fans from back in the day, Chris Williams was one of the investigators on Ghost Hunters. She was kind of the one that would do the history of the locations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh... I knew Chris, the name sounded familiar. Chris does... Chris is pretty much a history buff, and that's pretty much where she divides most of her time now. She obviously doesn't do any of the ghost hunting stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't until he was, uh, 40 years old. Um, it was actually done through, uh... It came from a... I think it was a grandmother or a grandfather that finally told him like it was literally something like right before they passed away. It was, it was a, it was literally a skeleton in the family closet that nobody wanted to talk about. Um, he later did, uh, you know, DNA analysis and they were able to obviously conclusively prove, um, that he is a direct descendant. Uh, they even did DNA analysis on the show that I thought was really interesting. There was a shawl from one of the victims that was tested against 
Jeff's uh, DNA to see if there was any possible matches and there wasn't, but it was interesting to hear that even with the hundred or so hundred to 150 years between them, very little of their DNA has changed. That would fuck me it's up, almost man. Identical. That would fuck me even up. Even after all those years, I would not even want to think that I would share the same DNA as someone like that. But nope. I mean, it, 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 he does. I mean, there's no way of getting around that. But I really need, I keep telling myself, I really need to find out my, but I'm so scared I'll find out some shit like that. <laughs> well, I'm doing mine, so I mean, like, oh, hey, by the way, you're related to. I'm pretty sure I'm actually related to Ulysses Grant because if I remember correctly, when my grandma used to do that stuff, he was in our line, and I was like, nice, great. Well, <laughs> everybody is gonna find something out about their past they may not be a big fan of, but but I still want to find happens. it out though. It would be kind of cool. It would I, be cool. I'm very interested in finding out. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really interesting because there's still to this day, there's really no definitive DNA for Jack the Ripper. There, there isn't, there, there isn't anything definitively. I mean, even that Shaw, how many people have handled that in the last, well, they said they found a predominant male on the Shaw and it didn't match him. And that's the thing I'm like, but how just, I bet a male picked it up. Right. You know? How many cops Her body it? wasn't... He didn't take her body. No, the bodies were left The cop there. took it. And clearly in every single one of these Ripper murders, there was not... Nobody knew anything about crime scene investigations then. I mean... They're like, let me just touch it all. Yeah, nobody... There was... <laughs> yeah, nobody knew But there to, was no DNA. There was no, like... Nothing. Um, evidence contamination because there was no evidence to canamitate. Cona- right. Exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of evidence, the fucking letter. That one letter that they had that someone stole the original copy. And somebody has had, that. Somebody has somebody that. Somebody has that and I'm gonna need you to come forward. Like now. Um, I mean, that has his actual DNA. It has his blood on it. That could be the only link there to knowing who Jack the Ripper actually was. Um, it's just, it's too much of a coincidence. There's too much that lines up. And I think the one thing, just like Casper said, that really got my attention was that lapse, that date lapse. As much of a crook as Holmes was, he was a methodical crook. And there was no fucking way that you're going to have that much of a lapse in time where there is literally nothing. And not to mention uh, the place he stayed. The woman who took over that place, like who was over it, mentions a man who he left a bag, like a surgical bag, and uh, bloody cuffs in this um in the bag and there was the knife was in there as well and then she never he left and she never saw him again yeah a woman mentions an american staying there and yeah i mean left a surgical bag left all this potential evidence and just left it there of course he would there's no need for him to take it with him but especially with all of the blood all over it and then it's it is it is easy to think that that was one thing that I really liked that the FBI profiler mentioned was that it would be very easy to see him change his MO pretty quickly after if 
he was the Ripper to change after the Ripper murders and become more methodical and calculated with well, the murder just, castle. It's just like she said. You have the first four murders that are done outside. The third murder got interrupted. Right. And then the fourth murder, he did it because he couldn't finish the third. The fifth murder was inside where he was able to literally completely mutilate this person. This body. Yeah, that and body was ripped apart. That's when it stopped. Yeah. And it's just like she said, someone who evolves like that does not stop. I mean, and the if you believe in the way that the murder castle was handled and the way that he was cutting open these bodies and dissecting his these bodies, I mean, that's pretty similar to the fifth ripper victim Mm -hmm. the disemboweling the disembowelment um because not only was he selling the skeletons he was selling body parts too so there was black market sales sells to schools and other medical labs in and around the area um yeah any number of things that he could use i mean that was and that's top dollar amount that he was getting um another thing that was interesting on this american ripper was the crematorium that uh um or that Holmes had on the property of the murder castle, um, that it wasn't just lime that he was getting rid of the bodies that it was possibly, but, uh, supposedly they were able, or they were able to show that if it was a wood burning stove, that he was not able to get it hot enough to actually burn an entire human body. So there's those rumors of him, um, and they were actually able to even, now this I didn't know, was the property they had near the Chicago River, that they were actually able to see that there were impressions in the river where clearly something was dumped there, whether it was a body or not, but clearly there was something dumped there, and it was directly by where he owned property. And they're saying... And it was a it, cement factory! Of but, all things, it was and a the crazy, cement factory! The crazy shit... They had stuff coming in, but never any coming out. Ever. Not one They time. never sold anything. So why do you have this cement factory and you're not selling anything? Because he's putting bodies in the cement and putting them in the and ocean, in the, dumping in the lake. them. And dumping. That's why. Yep. That's why. Anything that he couldn't get rid of at that time. Because I'm sure you start to run. This is the thing. So if he did murder as many as he said, if you, you're going to start to run out of buyers. You're going to have to, you're going to have so many bodies that people are going to be like, wait a minute. I don't need, I don't need that many spleens. I don't need that many skeletons. I don't need that many. So it's like. I don't need 14 spleens, Aaron. Thanks. Jesus Christ. So he's starting to have to find other ways and other places to get rid of these bodies. Because I don't think it was all just for profit. I think he becomes, I think he became satiated with murder. I thought you were going to become what? I thought you were going to say Satan. <laughs> he became Satan. He became, Probably that too. He became Satan. He literally became, I mean, they called him the, he's flat out said he the, was the devil. The white devil. I have to find that quote. If I saved that damn thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. That's really fucked up. So, yeah. Mr. Which is weird because Holmes. what he said is actually kind of parallels Carl Pan's ram a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does. You know? 
It sure does. These men yeah. who are just born inherently evil, which actually, I don't think Carl Panzram was born evil. He had a lot of bad shit happen oh, no, to he him. Became evil for sure. I, I think, think there's Holmes a difference. Was just yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, this is one of those where you can talk about nature versus nurture. I right. mean, Carl Panzram became what he became through abuse. Holmes. I am a firm believer was just born to do. I mean, if anything, he was born to be a narcissist. He was born to be methodical. He was born to be a sociopath. He was born to have very little emotion, very little empathy. But I think he learned to be a serial killer. I think he learned it. I think over time... And the ways that he was able to perfect it, it just became easier and easier. I think he would have always been a liar. He would have always been a con man. He would have always been a swindler and a thief and a fraudster. Those just came easy to him because of how smart he was. I think the murderer aspect of it, once he was able to perfect it and had the means to do it and the way that he did it, once it came easy, why the fuck not? He so literally could do it do. all in the same building. Yep. He and had a way to dispose. Yeah. You got your, you know, all your different medications that you have available to you for murder. You've got the means to hide the bodies. You've um, 35 different rooms, I think they said it was. Out of the 30, pretty much all of the 35 rooms uh, were constructed to be just complete torture killing rooms and one thing i wanted to mention too uh back to the ripper they they found a box of pictures and um they weren't necessarily holmes but they were like we're trying to figure out if this box would have been holmes holmes's box one of the pictures that they found in there was of this woman, this young woman. Was it a property, though, that he lived in? It was a property I, that was it owned was by him. house that he rented. Right. So it was a house that he rented. So it was a property that was owned by him. And one of the pictures that they found in there was of this young woman who, when they had it analyzed by this person, who basically what they do is they take pictures of rural people and put it against... Um, Sketches. A computer composite. Yeah. yeah the sketches of like the old, because some, some people, you didn't have pictures back then. Because, fun fact, the first pictures ever taken for crime scenes were actually Jack the Rippers. Right. So, that's when pictures were kind of starting to be a thing. So, some of these people didn't even have pictures of themselves. But this one woman who had a picture, he put... Um, a composite, like a sketch next to her face. And it was a 60, 64.5% or 65%. Yeah, it was pretty high up there. That it was Elizabeth Stride. Now, Elizabeth Stride was one of the victims of Jack the Ripper. Why the fuck would H.H. Holmes have a picture of a Ripper victim in in a box? Right. The other reason why a lot of the Ripper victims didn't have pictures as well is these women were prostitutes. Yes. So, or or women of ill repute. Uh, so, so finding even a even him having a picture any of her, pictures of them period would have been really hard to come by unless they were pictures of them where they were younger. Um, 
this was a pretty younger woman, but not all that far off in age. If it, if it was Elizabeth to uh, the time that she was murdered. So that's a pretty close match. If it is her, why would H.H. Holmes be in possession of this picture? That just, and like I said, there's a lot of coincidence. You could, I'm about 80 to 90%. There's, there's a lot, there's enough that maybe it wasn't him, but there's so much to say that it was him that I think it's really hard to believe one way or the other, but, um, fully, fully, fully. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe fully that he didn't do it. Um, cause there's a lot. I mean, like Jeff Mudgett said from somebody that was a former lawyer, criminal lawyer, there's enough for circumstantial evidence. And sometimes that can be really fucking hard to get in cases. This, you, I, good God, you got circumstantial evidence coming out the fucking wazoo, the aliases, the composites from the 13 eyewitness accounts, the, the, the bag even left just over. Look, the, even just, just look at the way they were killed. Look at what he did to, uh, who was the last one? To Mary Jane Kelly, the one who was absolutely, it's kind of like what they said, we're just lucky that picture wasn't in color. But, like, her body is literally flayed open. Completely just open. And even uh, Catherine Eddowes was bad. Hers was real bad, open too. And they, there was one of them, one of Holmes' victims that was flayed out like that. Yeah. So... And it's just like she said, when you're when you're criminally profiling somebody and they're killing evolves, it doesn't quit. No, no, it doesn't stop. You just get better. Like I said, you get, you better, get better and it. better and better and better and better. And um, you know, his lack of empathy made it easy too. Like we said, he uh, because he became fascinated at such an early age to his account of what the inside of the human body looked like that. He had no empathy for people. You were just a body. You just wanted, he just was curious of what you had on the inside because what you had on the inside had a price, which I don't know. I just still to this day found it so incredibly ironic after everything that he did that in death, he was terrified of having someone steal his body. So he had it encased in concrete. He had it encased in concrete twice. Yep. Because he didn't want anybody to do to him and death what he did to other people in life. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) I just, I don't understand. You know, even to this day, obviously we've come a long way as far as like serial killers and evidence and all that kind of stuff but i really truly think he was probably one of the most evil serial killers he had no empathy he had no empathy at all i rank him all the way up there with bundy yeah exactly no because of the narcissism because of the narcissism and the lack of empathy i think he said the only time on the stand that he cried was when clara Got on the stand. But I kind of agree with what they said. I think he only did that just because he was like, well, shit, if I don't show some some emotion, they're going to be like, because he showed nothing when they were talking about those kids dying. No. Nothing. He didn't even flinch. I think 
it, you know, it sort of reminded me of that scene in Joker where he was like trying to teach himself how to show emotion, like where he was trying to like smile in the mirror, like, he, I'm, I'm so terrible. sorry, I'm so sorry. Well, anyway, that's not a spoiler. This doesn't give it away to <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but um, <laughs> because of the mental disorder that he has in the movie, there's a scene where he's literally trying to make himself show human emotion so i almost felt that way about holmes when they were talking about him during the trial that uh by the time it got to clara taking the stand it was almost like oh uh um emotion uh oh cry like he just like he was so autonomous she walked in sweet started playing and he was like ah! <laughs> but it's like that's the only way that he could he he was so autonomous he was like a like a robot he was such so sociopathic that he had literally no emotion towards anything that he had to just try to make himself convey it so that people would think that he was a person even remotely human yeah. yeah, well, the fun fact that Jack the Ripper photos were the first crime scene photos, the Borden murder- murders were the second. Yep. Fun fact, of course, that was in 1892, which is insane to think about the fact that it was in 1892 when all this shit's happening with him in 1892. I'm like, Massachusetts and Chicago were just a mess. There was a lot going on. <laughs> like I said, during that time, I think it was... There were a hotbed of issues going on at the time that were being widely ignored during an age of revolution in the country that was happening so quick and so fast. Um, it's also funny that all of it's this literally has to do with the money. turn of the century. It's literally mm-hmm. the turn of the century, and everything had to do with money. Well, all it's it. it's it's in that age we were starting to realize the industrial revolution with the importance of the way that the world was turning, the way that jobs were coming into play, textile mills, uh, so many different things were changing. You're literally coming into the turn of a new century. Um, Life was becoming vastly different for so many people that I think things were just taking a turn, whether it be good or bad, but um, I think an easy way to make a quick buck, just if you could get away with murder, this was the best fucking time to do it. And in hey, both cases, in both cases, <laughs> if you honestly believe the uncle was responsible for the murders in the Borden house, you know he, did he did it, it for profit. He did it for money. H.H. H. Holmes murdered for profit. He did it for money. I mean, yeah, he was definitely would have done it otherwise because he just didn't give a fuck but his one of his biggest motivators was money yeah so there you go money 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 if i were a rich girl so that's it that's all i got so we get into next week um i'm really glad that we split this into two because i feel like we can dive into it more and we don't have to like hurry up like we can just lay it all out there. Well, there were, there's a couple podcasts. One I watched on, one on YouTube was a two-parter. 
And then um, last podcast on the left, one of their early, early episodes, I think like episode 200 to episode 202, they did a three-part H.H. Holmes. There's just so much information. There is a lot of information on this guy. But yeah, we're going to leave it here, guys, because um, next week we get to delve really deep into the actual murders, the ones that he was convicted of. Um, We're going to get really more into Benjamin Peitzel, who was uh, basically one of the only associates known to Holmes that may or may not have helped in the murders, but definitely helped in the disposals and then ultimately became a victim um, of Holmes himself. So uh, we'll get into that, the trial, um, more about the lore of him possibly faking his death. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be a whole lot to um, uncover next week. So we hope you guys enjoyed this early part. I'm glad we were able to find a lot about his early life because not many people know... Um, and it was actually kind of, it was nice. I knew a lot about his, his murders and everything, but it was nice for me to find out a lot of shit about his early life too. Because so much was rumored. He lied about a lot of it. There's a lot of accounts that weren't taken into consideration. There's some that were, um, but there's a lot that we just wanted to, we, we tried to bring it as truthful and as factual as we could. Um, because we really wanted to let people know that, there, you know, he didn't have some crazy, abusive, torturous upbringing. Um, he was rich and smart and spoiled and bullied, and that kind of led to what it's a great he combo. became. So there you go. More next week about H. H. Holmes. More Holmes. More more Holmes. Thou is the thou. That tickles my tongue. I think I just totally made that word up, but. (laughs) Okay, guys. (laughs) Did you just spit? I did. All over yourself? I'd probably spit all over the computer, too, but that's fine. Okay, guys, so a word from our sponsor. (laughs) If she can get it together. I got it. (laughs) I got it. I got it. Listen, I have to be honest (laughs) about something. All of this research and like three entire full days of homes has kind of fucked with me a little I think bit. That's, yeah. Um I'm because sure when I'm really too. especially those crime scene photos, I cannot Yeah. I, if they were even homes, if they weren't, if it it's the ripper and I'm like that last one I'm like, I'm very thankful that's not in color. I paused it. Because I was trying to figure out what the fuck oh, I've looked I was at looking picture. at. I've probably done more research about Jack the Ripper than I have H.H. Holmes. So I've looked at that picture. I can't even tell you how many times. Well, I finally figured and, out how her legs were sitting. Yeah, because that's what yep. was fucking with me. Because I'm like, how? I can I can see her face. But her legs are literally out. Like she's literally just sprawled open. And she looks like, like a frog that somebody dissected. Like yeah, that's frog what it dissections. Looks like. It looks like a frog. Except dissection. her hands are actually laying. Like well, they flopped her. back like this, but I'm obviously when he had her. Yeah, she was probably just complete. Ugh. Anyway, um, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fucked up. We'll, we'll get to it at some point. <laughs> oh, really quickly. Sorry. Even though this movie is purely fictitious but if people want to get a real fucked up uh 
view of um, possibly who Jack the Ripper was. The uh, and I know a lot of people hated this movie, but I don't give a fuck because I loved this movie. Um, Johnny Depp, uh, Heather Graham. Uh, help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not the movie. Um, it's so it's, fucking it is not God. help. And um, it, uh. Mm, Hold, please. Mm, I got it. it mm. <laughs> mm. Shit. I hate when it's mm. like literally right there. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. That's going to take forever to look it through. It is right Hold. on the tip of my tongue. It's <laughs> literally. Mm. <laughs> Come on, it. my Google's being so fucking from hell. From hell. From hell. Because it was from the one of the letters. God damn it. Okay. Uh. I haven't seen From Hell in a hundred years. Um, I love. It's that been a very movie. long time. I love that movie. I love that movie. Obviously, it's based. It's it's extremely fictitious in what it's based in and who possibly Jack the Ripper was. I don't know. It gives a pretty damn good argument and who he possibly could be. All the fucked up messianic ties are pretty crazy, but pretty interesting. It'll get your wheels turning. But the reason why I wanted to mention it is because there, the scene at the end uh, where she's Mary is murdered in that bed, you want to... Okay, obviously this wasn't real because it was in the movie, but the movie's in color, and I think that's about as close. If somebody can watch that movie again and find that scene, that's about as close as you're going to get to what that actual crime scene looked like in color because that fucked me up so bad watching that scene and watching him just covered from head to toe in blood as he's just flailing and slicing into this body and um kudos to whoever did the special effects in that movie (laughs) but i just wanted to mention that because uh that movie probably gives one of the best color uh views of the actual ripper crime scenes even though it is a fictitious movie um it's just very interesting it's very interesting especially at that scene at the end because that body is just complete you you don't even i (laughs) how any i think by her hair and maybe a foot is how i could tell it was human i i don't it it took me i had to pause it to figure out what the fuck i was looking at the face there was no jaw like an it was so fucked up eyeball hanging out and i i think honestly the most disturbed i think besides that was mr borden's face it took me, I had to do the same thing with that. I had to stare. Like, I was like, what oh, am man. I look? I asked you. And you were like, there's a nose. And I'm like, oh my I'm God. Like the ear. It was and the people, ear that helped and me people see. people are the, like, how did you? <laughs> see a lot of crime scene photos. <laughs> I looked at a lot in my time. That made me popular. He was literally so fucked up. I was like, I can't, I don't know. What am I looking at? So that's about the closest, I think. But that was just his face this whole entire body it it was once i found both legs i actually could see that's how you could where, see where it was, the body was. Yeah. where it was because they thought they thought happening. they almost weren't able to connect who it was because the blonde hair was drenched in so much blood that they thought it was a redhead so they actually had the identity of they they, they had it mixed up on who they originally thought it was they thought it was a redhead but they end up finding out it was just the hair was drenched in so much blood. 
Okay, now we can do the sponsor, Jesus. I'm sorry. Anyway, watch From Hell. And uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen the crime scene photo and you can stomach it, you should look it yeah, up. Yeah, look at that it's, first it and is, then watch the movie. <laughs> it is so... It is one of probably the worst crime scene photos I've ever seen of anything. Uh, the Black Dahlia. That too. Yeah. The... That's up there. Anyway. <laughs> that, that body in Dahmer's bathtub. Is one as well. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so fucking disturbed. Oh my god. Okay, anyway. So, a word from our small sir. <laughs> Speaking of bathtubs. <laughs> Calm your body down. Ding. Thanks for that fucking segue. That was a great segue. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Dead body in the bathtub. Bath bombs. No. Um. <laughs> do you have a problem with bodies in your bathtub? These will not help. <laughs> so we don't all. have anything no, for you. We don't. I am not sorry. Um, so, guys, if you've been uh, checking out the social media, you see that we've got a new product: the uh, Rosebud Bath Scrub. Um, hopefully, everybody will start buying this up. It smells amazing. I've used it personally myself recently. Um, I just had a friend buy some. So I'm going to be getting some feedback from her. I love it. Real rose petals, just like in the rose bath bombs, which are also still still available. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are interested, please head on over to the Etsy shop. Search Calm Your Body Down. Um, free shipping on everything mailed to the U.S. as always. And please leave reviews if you have purchased um, and, uh, if you aren't able at this time to purchase, like I said, there's so many other ways that you can support businesses, especially black owned small businesses, just by sharing and reposting and liking, getting the word out, word of mouth is key. So thanks to everybody. Um, also want to mention, um, you know, August is going to be here before we know it. So some fall favorites are going to be coming back the end of August. So just keep checking back. Um, website, calmyourbodydown.com, uh, Instagram at CYourBD, and on Etsy, just simply search Calm Your Body Down for everything. And thanks again, guys. Calm your body down. Dead body in a bathtub. <laughs> Dead body in a bathtub. All right, guys. So if you want to follow us on social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All that don't fuck with the original. Make sure to follow. Make sure to spell it out with the apostrophe or you will not find us. If you want to give us a subscribe or follow so you know whenever we put new episodes out every Wednesday, please subscribe or follow on Spotify. I almost said Facebook. Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Player, Podcast Addicts, and CastBox. Other, until next week, please be cool, wear your masks, be respectful, wash your hands. We wear the mask. Wear the mask. Wash your hands. And did you wear the mask? And did you wash your hands? Wear the mask. Wear the mask. Wear the mask. Wear the mask. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, bye. <laughs>